to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 152, take three. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me, as usual, on Sundays is Jason Collette. Jason, how are you doing? Are you sweating? Uh, I am not sweating. Uh, I am a little bit tired from watching this marathon Detroit-Toronto game uh, and doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that around this place as we still try to make it home, but it is Sunday night. Let's talk baseball. Sounds good to me. Uh, I probably also worry out a little bit by making you talk a good 15 minutes or so before we actually press record on this one. So <laughs> we're hoping to get to some juicy stuff without further ado. I'm going to start with uh, Caleb Joseph, five home runs in five straight games uh, and before coming up empty today. Uh, and uh, this is a guy who probably has taken fantasy owners a little bit by surprise and was hitting under 200 before this recent hot streak, where he's actually, he's not just hit home runs. He was hitting over 400 coming into today's game uh, in this little mini hot streak he was on. Uh, is this a guy that you're interested in, in, uh, in say, 15-team mixed leagues as a guy? Or is this, uh, to me, I picture he's a guy I'm just going to, uh, you know, I might take a flyer on $0 bid type guy and hope it works out. But if it doesn't, I'm I'm looking to move on to the next flavor of the week. I mean, I think you missed your boat. He, he has eight home runs on the season or nine. He's hit them all this week, seemingly. You <laughs> kind of missed your boat there. When, when you look at what he's been able to do throughout his career, you know, we, we see that he's had double-digit home runs in 2009, 2010, 2012, and 22 last year down in double-A while still hitting for a good average. But you see a low walk and a high strikeout rate. And so you know the power's there, but it could go either way. In a 15-team league, if you asked me this last week, maybe, but now that everybody's going to be running out to pick up this guy because he's got all of his home runs, I'm not sure if he's going to hit five the rest of the way. I mean, the 22 did come last year in double-A, but we're talking about a 27-year-old in double-A last year. You know, those kind of things happen. He's 28 years old. He's just getting his first cup of coffee at the big leagues. He's really good defensively. I've watched him there. He's good defensively. Offensively, never saw this coming. I've probably seen about 30 plate appearances of this guy. Not this week. I haven't seen a single one of them. But I've seen 30 of them as he's played the Rays, and that never struck me as a guy that could go on a five-home run streak like he has this week. Yeah, it's been kind of – I mean, he was a, uh, kind of a top-ten prospect for the club a few years ago. Hasn't really worked out. He's great defensively. He's great for the O's. This is, this is kind of – this is always like – this is a good example, kind of for uh, for uh, serves a purpose for serves a purpose for a kind of lesson. I mean, I look at players when I'm when I'm headed into fab period. I still look at what's the rest of the season projection for a guy, and uh, if I had looked to pick him up, say last week, this past week of five, you know, this this incredibly hot stretch, this tends to change owners' bids quite quite significantly oftentimes where it's going to take a, a decent bid relative to whatever league he might actually become a hot commodity in. And this is the type of player where my bid really wouldn't change unless, I mean, if I saw this guy is like, well, you know, there's a chance that he's still going to make a significant impact for me the rest of the season. Then sure. Now it's like, all right, the impetus is on me to raise it if I really want him. But otherwise it's a guy who's probably, you know, in a mixed league, he's a zero or $1 bid. And then an AO only league he's already owned. Uh, there's not really there's there's not much of an in between I guess and I, I don't see that there's a ton of upside left necessarily rest of the season. Agreed. Uh, Miami 
uh, this comes up in the news. They they want to make a legitimate attempt to sign Giancarlo Stanton to a long term deal. He is under team control to, through 2016. Do you see this as a legitimate possibility? He's he's been a little happier there in recent seasons because in the last season or two because they have made some moves toward I mean acquisition of talent. Uh, certainly, they were kind of borderline wildcard contention this year. Is this a legitimate thing to happen? No, I don't think it is. Uh, when a team just comes out and says this, that means they're trying to sway the public opinion in their favor, saying, hey, you know, you, you, you tried, and, and good for you for trying. Usually this kind of stuff gets done behind the scenes. You go back and look at just about every other pre, pre-agency type deal that a team has done with a player, and just about all of them have been a surprise. Like, oh, my God, wow. Who knew Evan Longoria was going to sign two extensions? Who knew that Chris Archer was going to get an extension? Matt Moore. I mean, all these things come out of nowhere. I know I'm just citing three Ray examples, but even in, in the past, when when Dustin Pedroia got his latest deal, that just kind of came up out of nowhere. So when you see teams go public, which, yes, I'm going to try to do this, it doesn't happen. Yes, Detroit is going to try to sign Max Scherzer to an extension. Hasn't happened. Yes, you know, I'm trying trying to think who else oh last year yes we're going to try to sign jacoby ellsbury to a long-term extension didn't happen i mean more more often than not when they start talking about doing this it doesn't happen so marlins fans all five of you don't get your hopes up (laughs) for the long-term health of this franchise trade him ask for a king's ransom get the king's ransom because if you trade him this offseason that's two full seasons he will impact somebody from a fantasy perspective absolutely we want him out of that ballpark put him in fenway please and this is a Rays fan saying this. Put him in Fenway, please. Yeah, so definitely, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, and especially if you're a keeper league owner, you want to see Stanton moves. It'd be nice if it happened sometime in the next year or two, for sure. Would be would be would be fantastic to see him go to a ballpark where again he's he's kind of a, a an easy threat for 40 home runs. Really, and I, I I'm kind of there with you. In terms, it's time to trade him. You would think um, that. I mean, putting this kind of news out there, that's, you know, it's perhaps a little bit of posturing to say, well, oh, you know, this team, uh, they maybe they want to up the ante just a little bit, increase the trade value. But also then I, I don't think it helps their case a ton to have, you know, say there's these anonymous sources within the organization that say they're not real optimistic that they'll get a deal done with Stanton. It'll be, it's going to be an interesting couple of years with Miami and Stanton. I mean, it, this seems like it's going to – this is not the last of the drama. It certainly has already started, and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, uh, particularly coming into this winter. Yep. Joey Gallo, John Daniel says he does not expect to bring him up this season. I don't think anybody realistically expected him to, but he does expect him to make his debut in 2015. Gallo, the only thing that could – I mean, obviously the obvious – point of concern for me for me and i think for most people is the ridiculous strikeout rate uh, i would say it's probably around 35 percent in the minor leagues it's around 40 percent this season at the double a level it was 26 percent at advanced class a earlier this year and we're talking more than 200 plate appearances in each of those stretches but just in general it's a guy who does a lot of swing and miss on the other hand there's a ton of power production i mean this you're talking more power perhaps than any other minor league prospect uh, at this point really enticing player i mean it's kind of like it, it almost seems like he's kind of has like a binary outcome like there's either going to be he's going to tear us apart and you know is a, p- a potential 30 35 home run hitter or he's a total total washout he's chris carter he's going to be chris carter to me i mean you were talking about a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs at the minor league levels in two consecutive seasons that's unheard of 
uh, when, you, when you're talking about that kind of thing. It's just unheard of. And last year, so last year he had 467 plate appearances and struck out 172 times while walking 50. This year, coming into today, he has 466 plate appearances, 76 walks, so we've seen improvement there, and 153 strikeouts, so we've seen some improvement there. So it's it's still an obscene total, 153 Ks and 466 plate appearances, but it's better than last year, and that's all you can ask for is improvement. We're still talking about a 20-year-old playing double-A baseball, and that's that's what you really have to focus on. 20-year-olds are most of the time in low A or high A at the best, this kid is in double A, and in double A, he's hitting 255, 347, and slugging 568 because he has absolutely ridiculous power. And that's always, and from a fantasy perspective, we are going to buy that all day long. This kid, if you were to hold a, a dynasty draft, you know, today, he's going to get taken high just on the on the pure power potential because power is such a precious commodity these days. We, we see Javier Baez, and we see Chris Bryant, and we see Jorge Soler, and we see. Joey Gallo at the minor league level is putting up these big numbers, but at the major league level, I mean, what do we got? One guy has 30 homers? One? <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I mean, p- power has become such a precious commodity and can produce so many runs and such sort of stresses. Obviously, what's the swing and miss? It's like he, he takes it a little bit to the extreme, but the power also, I mean, in his through Saturday in his minor league career, he has produced an ISO. This is in 1,193 plate appearances in 280 games, an ISO of 371. There are guys in the major leagues now who cannot slug 371. Um, this is, I mean, I, I, I don't recall ever seeing a guy who has produced that kind of ISO and that, uh, that kind of ridiculous power rate that that i can remember in the last few years at least uh, and, and the power that that certainly jumps up the the opportunity for him uh, in terms of well the the kind of the the bucket of the potential failure for him i think that he's he, he is such an intriguing player such a polarized potentially polarizing player it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he looks like when he gets to the major leagues he's he's also a six he's listed at six five two oh five that i see here and you know, maybe part of the uh, the swing and miss or part of the strikeout problem is simply just a big strike zone. And uh, perhaps as he gets older, maybe fills out a bit or something, uh, some things happen. Maybe he gets to reduce that a little bit as well. It's just, he's, he's such an interesting player. He's probably been the fastest rising, the biggest rising prospect of this season, I think. Emilio, Bonif- mm-hmm. Emilio Bonifacio starts in place of BJ Upton on Sunday night baseball. Uh, it's, and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, do, do you think that there is a legitimate possibility that Bonifacio displaces Upton on a regular basis in center field? I really don't think so. I mean, I don't. Defensively, Bonifacio is. Uh, I'm being kind, below average. Yeah. <laughs> uh, defensively, at least Upton has some redeeming value there. Again, I say some when he's not overthrowing the cutoff man or letting balls fall in front of him. But I mean, Bonifacio's overall numbers, you're still going to be thrown off by the first month of the season since May 1st he's hitting 254 with seven stolen bases that's you know, when you look back how, how much fun April was for him this year you're like wow look at April 10 stolen bases hitting 337 but he's hitting 254 with a sub 300 OBP and only seven steals since he is who we thought he was he should not be displacing BJ Upton on a regular basis I know I'm uh, forgetting who the pitching matchup is tonight that could be part of the problem uh, with him and not talking head-to-head 12 at-bats. You know, this is what the sample size is. But Gio Gonzalez is a horrible matchup for B.J. Upton. The only thing I don't get is why the Braves, 
they they continue to insist on batting up to well, Freddie Gonzalez, and I think he's not a very good manager to begin with. But uh, I don't understand why Upton is leading off when he has a sub 300 on base percentage and strikes out so often. I mean, Charlie, where do you hit him though? Seventh or eighth, maybe. <laughs> well, you've already got you got Laird and Pena, and say what you want about Upton, but those two were just as bad. And because you've got the the stupid National League rules, your pitcher's got to hit ninth. I mean, otherwise Upton could hit ninth. Uh, but it, you can't hit him second. Doesn't make enough contact to move guys over. Madden used to do this with Upton. When he was in his big slums, he would make him hit leadoff. Uh, and he could at least earn walks. That's the one redeeming quality that he has when he's not swing, uh, chasing pitchers or being overmatched by velocity. He can still take a walk. And that the only other place you can play that skill is first or, you know, or eighth, but you're not going to hit Ramon Pena high in the lineup. So if you're not hitting him high, he's got to hit eighth. And you can't hit Laird any higher in the lineup. So he's almost by default he has to hit leadoff. Well, they, I mean, uh, now that – I mean, they're they're pretty much healthy. Tom Lestella is – I mean, he's at second base. Uh, he and gets on base. And, That's the good thing about that guy. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan Simmons is uh, – I mean, he's missed a little bit of time here with an ankle injury. But in general, he's in there. So, I mean, they – they're not they're not dependent on upon a Pena at this point. I mean, there have been a, a few stretches this season where they have been, but they're not dependent on that player. They're not dependent. I mean, Chris Johnson has kind of pulled his himself together. I I, I think I guess I mean I understand uh, that's uh, you know I guess the motivation behind it. I think it seems I guess ultimately the Bra- the Braves need to overhaul some things. Period. I mean, they they could probably use a good off season of changing uh, the way they do things, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, also, the Mets, they seem to be misguided in their attempts to make Wilmer Flores their shortstop. They're going to give that one another crack, I guess, at the major league level, it sounds like. And uh, Ruben Tejada basically becomes a backup. Ruben Tejada at least, hold, at least holds his own defensively and has been, you know, basically uh, a warm body for them offensively ever since they, he kind of pulled himself out of his first couple of months' doldrums. I... I Flores, to me, I mean, he's I, certainly as a guy like I, I was maybe a little on him. I still thought that there was a little bit of redeeming value in terms of offense for him uh, early in the season. But Eno has convinced me, and after watching him, it just is not a guy that even excites me offensively. And they they still have some pretty high hopes for the, uh, him offensively, I think. Is this a guy, I mean, I don't even see him uh, as a mixed league commodity anytime soon. He looks like... Uh, pretty likely bust to me eventually in a couple of years and Mets probably be giving up on a guy like this. Is this a guy that maybe am I missing the boat here? Is this a guy who intrigues you at all? Do you see him holding down this job? No, he doesn't intrigue me at all. I mean, offensively, I think what kind of threw some people off, you know, we're looking at 2013 spent a full season, a full season in triple a Las Vegas where all of us could hit a baseball and he hit well. Hit well in Las Vegas again this year before his call-up. Last year, in 2012, hit 300 uh, combination playing some uh, Florida State League ball and playing some double-A uh, ball. So the, the batting average was there. Some of the power popped up. I'm looking more at 2012 when he had 30 doubles, two triples, and 18 home runs, and that's in Florida State and the Eastern League. Those aren't easy places to hit. So mm-hmm. I you know, if anything, I'm letting this Flores talk keep going and then taking a shot at him again next year because he's still just 22 years old. And that's really the thing I, I can't overlook. He's still just 22. Yes. 23. Uh, he just turned. Las Vegas number. Okay, maybe he just yeah, turned 23. He's yeah. still young. Still young. Just turned. And a 50 extra base hit season from a shortstop at age 20 
is going to give him a, enough leash. So if I can get him on the cheap in a keeper league now, if somebody's willing to take a shot at it and drop him, sure. Take it and see what you can pick up if you can roster him. He's not he's not he's not active rosterable in a 15 team league. He's not even active rosterable in a 10 team NL league right now. He's got to ride the bench if you have a bench. If you don't, let him go. Yeah, I think what's interesting too is I mean he's the metrics have been kind to him uh, in his limited time uh, in the majors as far as def- uh, def- defensively, and I mean I'm just I find I have a hard time buying it because I've I mean, I've seen him play a little bit of shortstop I and mean, he makes he just he, he doesn't seem entirely mentally in the game uh, at times but um, I mean I, I'm not sure that he plays at second base and there's really no room for him at third base at least anytime soon. Uh, except for the fact that David Wright's been dealing with some health issues this season. I, I, it just is uh, – I'm not really sure what the Mets plan to do at shortstop, but they don't really seem to have a legitimate plan there if they think Flores is actually a solution to it. But, yeah, I, th- I think – I mean, there's still – I guess there's still some potential with Flores. I almost think that they're better off – got to stop sending him to Vegas. That's not really going to do him any good anymore. So I'd be interested to see, like, if they're – you know, give him four or five, six months next year with the big league club and say, let's just find out if Flores can hit – major league pitching and, mm-hmm. and after that see what happens find him a position too that'd be nice the Mets have DFA'd also and uh now since I guess I think he's maybe already cleared waivers uh, but the, anyway their intent is to release Chris Young assuming that, that is, and they're gonna they're gonna platoon Matt Dendecker and Eric Campbell out there and Eric Cam- Campbell has some nice looking numbers but I think he's like 28 there's no real offensive intrigue here there's not a ton with Dendecker because he's like he can't hit at all right he's like 26 he, but he did go two for five today the Mets told him basically primarily which I guess what's a little interesting is that they Basically, their number one request was the work to cut down the strikeouts and make more contact, and he's kind of been doing that a little more so. Um, not saying that this is a mixed league material or anything like that. Uh, he's and we talked about him briefly, I think, on Thursday as well. Uh, he does have a bit of power, a bit of speed. Uh, I I think I mean for instance this is this is a guy I would want in a ten team NL league I think that uh, there's I think there's a much better ability to get on base than he's shown earlier this season and he did have a pretty nice year uh, for a stretch uh, with the Mets uh, want to say uh, in oh wait no maybe and now I'm, I think I'm confusing oh no now I'm confusing with Kirk Newenheis no, so never mind there uh, you go yeah yeah so never mind but in, in the major leagues. Uh, so in the major leagues, then Decker has not been a very good offensive player at all. He's, but... a, def- he's a defensive first guy. He's a reserve outfielder to me. Okay. And he is 27 years old. There's not really a whole lot of hope here. I think, yeah, I think basically. He's a former Gator, which means he really sucks. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think that's a good, that's a good spot to move on from him. Uh, because <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to sit here and start riling up some folks who are, uh, at, are real rabid college folks. And, and Colette, he's. Bring it on. More than happy to do that on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Danny Valencia is supposed to get a shot against right-handed pitchers. I have a hard time seeing this lasting very long, but um, what, and, and primarily because, well, actually primarily because he's never done it well. But um, first of all, we do have Adam Lind and Edward Encarnacion coming back at the beginning of this week. Yeah, which then, means Valencia won't be getting any playing time. Yeah, that's that's what I expect. I think it's always interesting when they decide to make the when they make these proclamations about players. It's like, yeah, he's been hitting well enough. We're going to start to give him a shot against righties, and it's like, well, you have your two two of your better hitters coming back uh, at the beginning of this week. I guess the timing on that is fantastic. Um, I guess between so here's the question. I guess uh, when when Lind and Incarnacion come back at the beginning of this week. Between Danny Valencia, uh, now 
they've been playing Jose Bautista, I guess, right, or slotting him regularly at DH, and Anthony Ghost has been playing in the outfield. Between Ghost, Valencia, and Juan Francisco, who seems likely to take the seat? I would imagine that they go back to whenever, where they need where they need the at-bats, Ghost takes the seat, and uh, they go back to the Francisco-Valencia platoon. That seems to make the most sense. Why? It does, it, yeah, it does logist. I mean, with Valencia... What has he done to earn more plate appearances against right-handed pitching? Nothing. He's, over the he's, last, it's he's ridiculous. hit left-handed over the last pitching four well. Years, <laughs> right. I mean, over the last over the last four years, he's hit two thirteen with a five ninety five OPS against right-handed pitchers. Yeah, that's it. This year, two nineteen. Last year, two oh three. The year before that, one sixty eight. Two thousand eleven, two twenty four. I mean, there's nothing there. If you want a guy with a 213, 258, 337 slash line going up against righties, by all means, Danny Valencia has one role on this team. It's to hit David Price. Yeah. I mean, he owns David Price for his career. It's ridiculous what he's been able to do against him. He sees the ball for whatever reason really well. But he hits lefties and David Price very well. He does nothing against righties. I don't care what he's done over the last week or two weeks. Meaningless. 690 plate appearances of sub-600 OPS. If he's getting more playing time, I'm benching him. Yeah, that's. that's I think that's exactly the way to go. And it, it seems it, it's almost certain not to happen, I think, based on the personnel changes that they're probably going to make here in the next couple of days. But I, so it just it's it's always interesting to me when news comes out like that. Like, why do you even bother saying stuff like that other than maybe they want maybe that has some purpose in terms of the player but here's the problem i have both valencia and francisco in one of my leagues i'm trying to get in the third place <laughs> like crap and i have to play one of them and it's a weekly league so it's not like i can sit there and toggle them every day i'm like and i need third base and there's nobody else in this league third base eligible even worth playing that's well, so it's like i take a look at the stats and be like uh who's gonna play more I mean, here, yeah. Chipper jones is available for pickup in this league right now so <laughs> is uh wilbur flores <laughs> Maybe Flores then. Uh, well, see, the, I guess the good news about that is that you can take a look at the upcoming pitcher schedule and basically, if they're you know, if it's kind of a if it's a five right-hander week, it's Francisco, and if you can get three left-handed pitchers in there, then maybe you go with Valencia this coming week. Yeah. Then again, this week they've got Iwakuma and they've got uh, Felix. I don't know if I want to start either of them. <laughs> uh, you know, you never know. Francisco has been known to run into some when you least expect it. Okay, Cleveland calls up Zach Walters and Tyler Holt because they had to place uh, David Murphy and Nick Swisher on the disabled list. These are a couple of guys. That Zach Walters has kind of been known to play all over the place in the minor leagues, and Holt has some speed, interesting, and a, and a decent – well, I think maybe an okay ability to get on base. Yes. Yes, yes. He's 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 not a bad on-base guy and has stolen 31 bases this season between AA and AAA ball and stole – 30, 28 last season, 29 the year before across two levels. Well, yeah, that, I'm sorry. That's AFL ball, so it doesn't count. Um, and, yeah, great walk rate, especially this year. It is really I mean, well into the teens this season in the minor leagues. Um, do you see either of these guys playing uh, enough to warrant fancy consideration? If so, what level of leagues are we talking about here? Um. I don't see enough of them enough for them to play. I'd, I'm in more of a wait and see mode with these guys, but no, I don't see enough of them uh, having an impact right away. Because I'm really intrigued. More, so, I mean, Walters, I think, seemed like he was a little closer to promotion. It was the guy that they, one of the guys they acquired in the Astro Ball Cabrera deal. He's 24, almost 25. Would be 25 in less than a month. And 
high strikeout rate, so really kind of nerve-wracking there and, and kind of a low walk rate, but it's kind of a – he has some pop, some legit pop. We know that. He said 50, he hit 15 home runs and 261 plate appearances this year at the AAA level and hit 29 last year to, in uh, the AAA level. And uh, it, it, certainly some intrigue as far as that goes. He did go 0 for 4 today uh, – I'm sorry, 0 for 3 with a strikeout today and a walk. I I, th- I think that there's some legitimate possibility that they play him, but I see his – like if, if that happens, his playing time runs out quickly. I mean, he's, he's been up for a couple of times for the Nationals as well. It just – he strikes me as a player who's never going to be a regular – uh, mm-hmm. and he is a he's a he is a switch hitter though, and I think that's really what's really it's interesting is that uh, he doesn't seem to have kind of stood out against either handedness well enough to to warrant more playing time. But uh, he has it left-handed pitchers uh, considerably better in the very small samples that we have on him. Holt, uh, I'd like to see Holt get the playing time because of the ability to run and the and the. Uh, uh, the ability to get on base, but he's and he's 25. It'd be nice to see him get a, a shot sometime in the next year or so, uh, somewhere, and uh, and turn that into something because I think there's a little bit of fantasy intrigue there. And finally, uh, Washington calls up Michael Taylor. Basically, it's just an opportunity to talk real quick about Michael Taylor because he seems pretty unlikely to play. Uh, he's replacing Stephen Souza on the roster, who was also uh, short term oh. and a prospect replacement. We talk- I don't get that. What are they cycling these guys? I mean. Sousa's having a monster year in AAA. He is. He is. And, uh, I mean, the thing about we, – we've talked about him on the uh, on the program in the past. I think he's maybe 26, 27. I mean, there's right. – he's, he's, he's definitely been a little old for his levels. Uh, he does intrigue as far as a bit of a power-speed combo. Uh, I think he's going to have a bit of trouble. I mean, he, I think kind of his ceiling looks like probably a platoon-type outfielder. It's, uh, that's definitely the impression I get. But I think, you know, he's – he definitely is – going to be deserving of a look for playing time here you know say coming into spring training but uh, they definitely seems like a much likelier candidate to call to call up and ride some pine while worth harper and span are out there than than taylor so i guess basically this is just a chance to give taylor a little bit of exposure you know to case to come say hey uh come come feel overwhelmed by the major league experience and say and and make you want to get back he's obviously a really intriguing oh he's a monster yeah, yeah i mean he's a monster and absolutely should be a must if you can bench him somebody you absolutely want to put on on your bench uh, for the future and the keeper league because i mean again he's having a monster year in the minors too uh, upon his promotion was hitting 315 with a 401 on base percentage and a 547 slug of 35 steals and 22 home runs. I mean, just absolute monster in that regard. But to your point, if you've got Span, Harper, and Worth playing every day, what's the use of this kid sitting on the bench and getting spot usage? I mean, I guess you're going to use him as a pinch runner. So there's some, there's some value there. But even Sousa, even at 25 years old, he had 24 steals. So it's not like he's plotting on the base pass. Uh, and he was sitting 354 with a 435 and a 601 in AAA this year. So if you're – if Taylor's your future, and he should be. He's two years younger than Sousa. Then let Sousa come up and be the part-time guy. I don't. This, this no, is kind of strange for me. No, no. I really didn't get this. Sousa's. Uh, I'm not sure if he's actually been placed yet, but he's. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think they placed him on the disabled list. Well, that would explain it. Bruce, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just. What well, I, I mean, I primarily want. I thought he got sent down. I'm no, sorry. I thought no, it was no, one no. of these. Because I know they sent him down last time he was up. They sent him down like out of nowhere. Like, wait a second. Why did you call him up for two games? Yeah. <laughs> 
No, and and Taylor is up. Basically, the expectation is is that they don't even expect to have him up for very long. Maybe a few games. It's kind of like a chance to you know, chance to get his feet wet, basically. And he probably won't play. Or if he does, like you said, it'd be a pinch run, pinch hit type appearance. Or maybe they give him a token start. Uh, I think very intriguing player. There's some swing and miss in his game as well. So there's some potential here for. Uh, I mean, the average I think has to be concerning, but the walk rate really jumped this year. So at least maybe that suggests that he continues to improve his uh, his his pitch selection, uh, so to speak. Uh, but batting averages prior to this year were pretty low. But they've, they've steadily climbed at least. Uh, he, he's just really intriguing. I mean, he's hit 22 home runs this season, still on 34 bases. I mean, these are the number. These are the kind of numbers that get fancy owners' attention. Uh, 2013, he hit only 10 homers, but stole 51 bases uh, at the advanced Class A level. Now he's 23 years old, so he did that at age, basically in his age 22 season. That's, I mean, that's almost about right for uh, advanced Class A ball, but he's about right where he should be in, in terms of his development curve. I mean, I see. I, I assume he's a legitimate possibility to play um, semi-regularly sometime by next summer. Uh, probably gets an extensive look. I think they have span uh, for one more season. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Washington outfield shakes out if they view one of these guys as a, as a trade piece. I mean, span, I like him. He's a nice player, but it seems like maybe he's a – He's a guy that if you're confident in one of these players, you maybe try to move span in the offseason because he's had perennial health issues as well. And this is kind of a this is like a nice year for him and maybe a good a good jumping off point to trade him as well. But I think Taylor is really intriguing because of the mix of tools that he provides as a guy that I would you know, I would definitely want to have as kind of a, my you know plan B or my kind of like tier two prospect uh, in, a, in a keeper league dynasty type setup. Kevin Correa to the to the Dodgers for a player to be named later. Uh, clearly, the Dodgers are looking for some veteran uh, warm bodies to fill in the rotation. Josh Beckett, of course, uh, is sidelined. Uh, Dan Heron kind of stinks, although he did have a great start in his last one out. But uh, nothing to talk about really there in terms of uh, the intrigue for Correa. Maybe that bring maybe Correa strikes out an extra half a batter per nine innings or something like that. Yeah, because that's about it. <laughs> and then I mean. You have to figure he's a pitch to contact guy. I mean, ridiculously low strikeout rate. And now he's going to go maybe one of those five stiffs that are going to play shortstop while Henry Ramirez is on the disabled list finally <laughs> may help. But no, Correa's, I don't care what the matchup is. I don't care if he's facing the Cubs twice this week. I don't want to touch him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, there's certainly no extra fantasy intrigue here, but it's just, it's interesting now suddenly what has happened to the Dodgers pitching depth. Uh, or maybe lack thereof. I mean, two years ago we were talking about how much depth they had because they had all these guys that they traded for. Now they're in a situation where they're they're running uh, Roberto Hernandez and um, it looks like Kevin Correa. And they may go to a six-man deal in the short term. This is what's going to be interesting because uh, Dan Heron, I don't think they're real confident in throwing him out there just every fifth day. Uh, Hyunjin, you were you Zach Grinky going through a couple of stumbles here lately? I mean, overall, they I think it's pretty safe to say that he's going to be reliable. And of course, of course, Clayton Kershaw. The rotation at the front of it is in good shape, but this is a team that still needs to finish out the season. And Josh Beckett is, uh, I, my expectation is that he's done for the rest of the regular season. Uh, he, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think I'm not saying I uh, wouldn't tell fantasy owners everywhere just to go ahead and dump him, but. Um, I would not expect to get him back. And if you are looking for a dump and, and you're looking to replace pitching, it, to see him come back um, and think that he's going to pitch effectively seems unlikely without some extensive downtime. So 
uh, I, I would not be optimistic there. And I would I would say if he'd be he'd be my first drop if I was looking to replace or if there's no other way to move around it. Um, Minnesota calls up Trevor May to make his debut. Again, we we're still kind of waiting on the Alex Meyer thing, but it does not surprise me that they called up May first. Uh, uh, called up Trevor May first, not May first. The date. Um, two innings pitched, three hits, four runs, and he walked seven man men without striking Ooh, out a bat. Good season form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he has some good stuff. I like the kid's stuff. I mean, he's a former Phillies prospect, so I was kind of familiar with him. Um, and he's really come a long way this season in the minor leagues. Obviously, a horrendous debut. He walked five hitters in the span of six uh, batters faced uh, at one point in this game uh, on Saturday. But uh, is this so? I mean, obviously, this is not this is not the kind of impression you want to make on fantasy owners who are looking to put in bids for you. This is not a mixed league gamble by any means. But is this would this be a guy that you're still willing to you know throw a few bucks at in in an AL only league? Uh, I'm not. I mean, I know the numbers down in AAA for, were good. I mean, 95 hits, 75. I'm sorry, 95. Innings, 75 hits, 37 walks, uh, 91 strikeouts, only four home runs allowed. So those numbers are good, but no, I mean, what's he going to do? Because Minnesota's not going to provide enough offense for him to get wins on a consistent basis. Rookie kid's going to struggle with his commands. No, really, uh, nothing here. See, I mean, I, I still, I do like the stuff, and I think, I mean, like a lot of pitchers, fastball command probably is going to be pretty key to his uh, his ability to succeed. I mean, he didn't flash. I, I thought he had a little more velocity in this, and the velocity was it averaged, uh, according to our pitch effects data, 91.6. I thought he had a little more juice than that, where it was probably like 92, 93 consistently, 94 maybe, uh, and touching 95. So uh, I think I'm a little disappointed to see that. Maybe I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if that's affected a little bit by the fact that he had to throw, he had to expend a ton of pitches in such a short period of two innings and eventually kind of fatigue maybe is set in. But I think that there's, I mean, there's some hope. Uh, I think a couple of his pitches, fastball and the changeup has some really nice movement. And I think that, I think that there's some potential here simply because, I mean, AL only league, I'm I'm putting in a minimum bid because I think he's kind of one of these guys who has it's taken him a while to adjust to each of his levels and I think that that's something to keep in mind that's a, if you can see that kind of pattern in these young guys then it's it's a reason to be a little cautious but I think I like it a little bit long term because of the fact that he has the kind of fastball changeup combo and then he can he needs to get uh, you know one of the one of the two the curve or the slider I'm not sure which one he or if it's kind of a slur, I'm not really too familiar with his breaking pitch, but uh, one of those has to be uh, at least a decent, kind of an average pitch for him to be more than just a guy, more than a, a number five starter. And uh, and he's, I think he's a good example of why you don't, why you shouldn't be scouting statistically. I mean, you go back and look at his 2011 numbers in high A. Again, Florida State League is a league for pitchers. 151 innings, 121 hits, 208 strikeouts, and just eight home runs. You're like, wow, oh my God, you know, what do we got here? Next season goes to Double A Eastern League, a little more tough uh, on pitchers. 487 ERA, 151 strikeouts, still more strikeouts than innings pitched. And even this year and uh, last year in Triple A in 2013, Double uh, A in 2013, again more strikeouts than innings pitched. This year, just just under. But anytime a guy can throw a changeup in high A or low A, he's going to pile up strikeouts. 
that's going to happen. It's just a matter of, okay, now can he pass a double-A test? Can he spin a third pitch? I mean, if he's a fastball changeup guy, what can he spin? If he can't spin something, then we have a problem. Now we're looking at a guy whose double-A ERA is 469. His triple-A ERA is 293. You know, So far, he, he, he didn't do too well on the double-A test, but the triple-A test, now he's back to fewer hits and innings pitched. The strikeout rate, the walk rate, you have nice separation there. So things are working out for him. It's just you, you're going to expect some bumps when a guy gets to the major league level like this because this is not a guy who's going to blow guys away with velocity. He has to hit his spots. He has to change his speeds. He has to pitch from ahead. And if those pieces don't come together, bad things happen as it did for him today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing to keep in mind, like I said, I mean, he's had trouble adjusting. Uh, it's taken him a while here, here and there. Command and control have been uh, really inconsistent for him uh, from kind of month to month and season to season. And, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's going to take – he's development-wise, he's going to take some time. We're contrasted to Meyer, who can basically hit the ground running. Of course, he's probably – he's going to hit some rough patches as well, but is not like – I mean, May is a project in the works even when he makes his debut, assuming that he can hang on to a spot. He does – I mean, he's he's been known to have a little better velocity, so I'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's not necessarily a blow-you-away guy, but uh, does have a little bit of promise here. But he's, he's definitely a project and is not like a guy – only in these kind of 40-man dynasty leagues – uh, at the end of the roster where you don't have to, I mean, there's not sacrificing anything to keep a guy like that is probably a guy that that's probably how I'm interested in that type of guy. Uh, Minnesota calls up Tommy Malone, their big time trade deadline acquisition um, for Sam fold. And sounds like, I mean, he basically is, re- he's replacing Kevin Correa in the rotation. So upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I think that that's kind of an upgrade. Uh, but second of all, and I mean, I've seen some allusions to suggest, I mean, Malone, you know, he's not going to succeed anywhere outside Oakland. I mean, that's kind of true in, in the sense that uh, in terms of the ballpark, I mean, we know that he needs a spacious ballpark in order to kind of be a, a somewhat reliable starter. But he's he's really quite effective in the last couple of months for Oakland and specific, especially at home, which is t- kind of the M.O. for him. He gives up a lot of fly balls. He's a he's a he's a command control guy. Um but Minnesota is not a ton smaller than Oakland or anything like that. I mean, we talked about him as still a guy who may, you know, kind of holds on to a little bit of value, uh, at least in AL only leagues. Uh, and he's lined up for a two-start week this week, I think. If it's, this is assuming that he's taking, um, is this a guy that uh, you, you kind of you seek to reacquire or anything like that? He's facing, he's at Houston and uh, at home against KC, and those leagues where you're kind of required to start the guy upon acquisition, or maybe you're just in that position. Uh, I think you've noted in the past that Houston. Now this is not the same Houston offense, but George Springer might be back from the DL this week. Uh, Correct. Um, is is this is this a is this a kind of guy you're throwing out there at Houston and then also at home against KC? Uh, neither. KC's playing good ball, and Houston hits left-handed pitching well. Yeah. Uh, here's one of the things that, it, that concerns me about Malone. I mean, when we look at Malone, we know he has troubles against. Uh, when we look at how he breaks down, he has his issues. For whatever reason, it's the opposite-handed hitters that get him. I mean, early on in his career, 2012, 283 batting average against against righties, but the last two seasons has been 247 and 240. The problem is it's lefties. I mean, his strikeout rate has gone down four consecutive seasons against them. I mean, er, very small sample in 2011, but he was league average at 20% in 2012. Big drop to 14% last year, and he's 12% this year. And that's just... 
strain. At least he's keeping the guys off base, but the ones that he doesn't keep off base, you know, 472 slug against same-handed batters this year. That's just unusual for a guy to get reverse splits like this for him. So, I mean, 12-team AL, if I if I had a need, if he's a two-start guy in tout and I'm trying to chase something, yeah, but that's it. I'm, I'm not playing him in a mixed league. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a mixed league, especially because of the, you know, that kind of quote-unquote reduced shots at wins. And I, I, my guess is primarily, I mean, this is, that's a deal with Malone. I mean, he throws fastballs, but it's primarily because he kind of has to. Uh, I mean, he, he'll throw the four seam or the two seam, and, uh, but not great fastballs. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the fastballs aren't great. It's just the, his ability to command and locate, but I think that that's kind of, Whereas I think his change probably helps him neutralize the right-handed hitters a little bit. I don't think the rest of his stuff really gives him a great opportunity to. So, I mean, he's a soft tosser. There's no question. I mean, it's Jamie Moyer minus 20 years or whatever. It's in in 20, yeah, (laughs) 20, 30, 50. I'm not even sure. Um, But Malone, I mean, Malone is, I mean, he's, he, he certainly has a long way, a lot of stuff to learn before he's effective as, you know, say Moyer was in his peak, whatever that was. 1971 or something um yeah i mean still still kind of an al only commodity It'd be interesting to see what happens here's what i'm really interested to see because we talked about what cleveland was going to do uh make some changes in the rotation they end up giving carlos carrasco a spot start on sunday and he well oh, that pisses me off too <laughs> he pitches well, because i'm i'm in a, a fantasy sports writer league and it's hosted by espn and we're limited in how many starts we can have yeah so i have to pick it i have carrasco on my list because he's been a reliever so i've been using him and getting the strikeouts and getting everything out of him and i had to bench him today because i can't use him. i only have like 18 starts left yeah. And I couldn't use him. That eighty is about a great game on my bench because he he's in there as a start instead of a reliever. Yeah, but and, well, the the positive of that is that you didn't waste a start on a guy who did. He went only five innings, and so I mean, quality starts are the the name of the game. Right, it's that, a quality so. start measure, but you know, I it, I would have liked the strikeouts. I would have liked the help with the ratio, but it drives. I I had him in there because he was just one of these relievers that gets a lot of work, and I was like, oh great, and then I see him start. I'm like, crap, I had to pull him out. Yeah. That is a little disappointing. I've been uh, um, I, basically what I'm curious to see is are they gonna? I mean, certainly he's. I don't think there's going to be much question. He's probably going to make another start, uh, and you know, it's still one. He's one of these guys who. Um, he's he's coming back. He's come back from injury. This is kind of his first full season. I think coming off Tommy John surgery, he missed all of 2012, um, and really. He pitched about, let's see, 100, close to 120 innings last season. Uh, and there's always, here's, he's always kind of had this alluring strikeout rate of somewhere close to seven per nine in the major leagues. Uh, and generally keeps the walk down, walks down. It's always, a, it's around three in the majors. I mean, it's, and it, he, he's pretty inconsistent as far as the production goes, but he teases because, uh, I mean, at times he'll put up games like this. Uh, he has the ability to strike out guys. He has good velocity, good ground ball rate. Uh, Cleveland, maybe part of the problem is too, we've, and we talked a little bit about it, but I don't think we've always put those two things together. Cleveland sucks defensively. Yes, getting, they're terrible. Getting rid of Astro Ball Cabrera actually helps that, and eventually, you know, having Francisco Lindor out there will really help them in, in terms of that. But we're not, that's not where we are presently. Uh, there's still a bit of redeeming value in Carrasco. Is this, uh, I'm not, I mean, I would not trust this guy. Uh, in a mixed league unless like I was in a position to be able to just bench him and kind of see what happens. But I mean, 
are you willing to trust him in a mixed league? Are you going to hang on to him in this 12-team mixed league, or are you going to uh, dish him uh, depending on what happens? No, hang on to him. I've liked him. And I know Eno and I talked a while back about him, You know, where you look at above average whiff rates on multiple pitches. Yeah. And that's always a big, that was always a big thing with Eno and with Carrasco. It was there. I mean, I drafted Carrasco in this league. I've had him all year. And I had, I had him in another league as well. I, I tried to get him in Tout Wars and couldn't. He was a guy that I was targeting. Uh, but so when you have above average whiff rates on things, it's going to race. It's going to pique my interest. And I've, I've sat on the guy all year and I'm, I'm going to keep him in this league. And if I could make is I'm going to keep him and maybe use him as, as some of these spot starts. If he matches up against a Minnesota or matches up against uh, a Texas uh, or a Houston who doesn't hit righties well, you know, those kind of things. I'll keep an eye on those kind of starts. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm. He worries me. I. I. I think in that, like in the twelve team mixed league. I mean, I don't want the guy because I think I could find. I mean, or either that or like I'm going to pick weeks where I can stream him. Um, but yeah, I mean, a fifteen team mixed league. I think I'd be willing to kind of have him on my bench and see what happens. I mean, yeah, the the stuff he has, like you said. I mean, it's above average whiff rates and the ground ball above average ground ball rate. I mean, he's a really intriguing pitcher. Has not he's he's always kind of struck me, and this is you know based on things I've read about him too. He's a bit of a head case. He really struggles yes. with confidence, you know that, that, and that's something Eno has talked a lot about. Is that I mean, and confidence seems to come quite a bit from command, and he doesn't always have full command of his stuff. But I mean, it's like if he it, he's he's like that one bit away. If he's if he gets that confidence, if he starts commanding that stuff pretty consistently. He could be a pretty good, a pretty good, pretty nasty pitcher. So I mean, like this is this is not a guy. We, we talk about certain pitchers and 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 uh, you know whether we should keep eyes on him and things like that. This is one of these guys where it's like fantasy owners should not forget about this guy we, when he gets an opportunity because the stuff is there and there's just there's some there's a little bit something missing and and maybe it's most of it is mental. So I mean, this is. Uh, Something to keep in mind because I mean we're talking about there's about six or seven weeks left in this season. I mean this could be a difference maker for you. I think it is somebody that to keep in mind and, and if you're in a deep enough league, you put this guy aside and say maybe this guy could help me. It's, it seems like Cleveland may be willing to give uh, him a shot for the rest of the season. Tomlin is out. Zach McAllister is certainly not a guy that they I don't think they can confidently rely on. They're not necessarily in the playoff race, but Carrasco and Carrasco seems also seems to pitch a little better when there's not much on the line. <laughs> so, yes. so, I mean, uh, you know, TJ house, I mean, he, he's kind of an intriguing left-hander, but uh, I mean, Danny Salazar will be back up almost certainly and filling in a rotation spot. They don't have Justin Madison. I think basically Cleveland is looking toward next year. And maybe this is kind of a, this is an opportunity for Carrasco to once again, make his pitch for the rotation. He still wants to be a starting pitcher. That's always kind of his been his position too. So mm-hmm. he, he, he remains a little bit intrigued. Uh, just quickly Phillies uh, in their infinite wisdom continue to claim washed up uh, angels pitchers. Although this, this is by way of Houston in terms of Jerome Williams. Uh, so they DFA Sean O'Sullivan, and now they have Jerome Williams in the rotation, to, all in the name of replacing Roberto Hernandez in the rotation. Um, is so, he even replaceable? <laughs> just when you didn't think so. Uh, I would just like to point out, uh, first of all, I think this is an upgrade. And in terms of, in, <laughs> at least in terms of ability. So I would like to applaud Ruben Amaro Jr. on a fantastic move. Um, it is disturbing, however, that Williams this season uh, has. Oh no, and that's right. He was he was making. Some, I'm sorry. So Williams is um, from the Halos, 
by and O'Sullivan actually has probably has made a couple of trips uh, since his time I think with the Angels anyway. But uh, Williams comes via Houston and then the Rangers. But uh, his his ERA and his strikeouts per nine are competing uh, with a six eight seven K per nine and a six point seven one ERA. So I'm 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 at least confident. I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if Williams kind of had a decent run in an NL-only league. I'm not saying I'd be willing to do it, but uh, he still has okay velocity. It, it goes down significantly once he is a, a starting pitcher. But, uh, I mean, this, we are talking about NL East lineups. So um, perhaps there's a little bit of hope there, but I wouldn't be casting some money on him necessarily to try to, to right. see how that goes. Mike Fires uh, called up – or Mike Fears, Fires uh, – not sure how entirely still how to say it, uh, but he had a good start filling in for Matt Garza, and Garza's not expected back, you know, right away. He's not expected back after the minimum. Is this a guy you're picking up? I've seen it. I've seen him. I saw you know some you know always these names come up in in searches around the net as well. Seen him recommended as a mixed league pickup. I think that's a little extreme. I do like the player. He's he obviously he was great in 2012 for quite a while. I don't think the stuff plays consistently enough, but I mean, he could go on that type of stretch. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm qualified to say, Hey, this is a guy who I'm really confident is going to go on that type of stretch. Like he had in 2012 again, but the numbers are always kind of consistently good in terms of the peripherals. So he is an intriguing player. Uh, maybe, maybe 15 team mixed league guy. I mean, wh- you know, where do you see him playing? Uh, I mean, the numbers this year in the minor leagues were really good. I mean, we saw him last year, just get, pounded yeah uh, uh, absolutely pounded but he's doing well you look down the minor leagues this year numbers wise 102 innings 80 hits 17 walks 129 strikeouts and only eight home runs and that's pitching in the pcl yes it's the eastern half of the pcl but that still means games over in the in the dangerous half of things so this works out but again he's 29 he can change speed some of this time this stuff plays in the minors i still think his absolute ceiling is a low four. That's where his absolute. But in the NL league, in a ten team, I'm playing him. Right? If he yeah. if he can stick in the rotation, I'm giving him a run. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely like to give this guy a crack in in an NL league. NL league. Um, I think because there's not a whole lot of strikeout upside, but it, or at least it doesn't appear so. I think kind of rest of the season. But he's put up the numbers. I mean, he struck out in his career 23 percent of the batters and he's walked 27 percent and that's where that's where the peripherals come in it's just overall the era is still around four or or worse but he has i think yeah he has he has this capacity to put put together a string of pretty decent starts and and maybe needed at least for the rest of this month so uh, i think milwaukee does have an opportunity to skip that spot once or twice but it'd be interesting to see if they do so because they do have some youth in that rotation and it's not and it's a team that's kind of tunneling toward the playoffs brad penny actually had surprisingly decent results in his start i'm not certainly seriously not, how is he still in the major leagues <laughs> certainly none of us are going to recommend him but i think uh i mean the velocity actually looked decent i saw a little of that start and he was in, still throwing 92 91 mostly in the fifth inning um and you know he's made he made five starts in the minor leagues it's clearly he's basically filling in uh, rest of season at this point for the Marlins, but um, uh, split finger fastball. You know, talked about the possibility. He said, you know, if there's still something left to the or the sinking fastball, then maybe there's something going on. But uh, uh, n- not not any reason to run out and get this guy. But the the stuff wasn't bad. I think like it, maybe maybe he turns into an unknowingly commodity and not somebody that we're going to go recommend, or at least I'm not going to recommend uh, coming out and getting and taking a shot on right away. 
Frank Agreed. <laughs> Franklin Morales back in the rotation in Colorado. We won't even spend time on that. Pass. <laughs> Ubaldo Menez, and this is just we've Pass. we've talked <laughs> we talked about the Orioles rotation so much this season. They basically just kind of at least wanted to mention Ubaldo Jimenez back in the rotation on Saturday. And he had a quality start, uh, but it was against the Cardinals who were kind of uh, hit or miss Terrible. on offense. Yeah, and Miguel, but Miguel Gonzalez is the short-term loser, at least. Uh, he's, but he might be back after only making only one start uh, at the AAA level. And it's going to be interesting to see. Gavin Gaussman had pitched well recently. Uh, today, not so good against the Cardinals. And it's just it, Gonzalez had actually pitched fairly well in his last couple few starts. It, I, I like to think that the O's are not going to make decisions based on the whim and based on the most recent outcome. But uh, it, they're going to make decisions based on who has options, and that's yeah. what's that's what's going to hurt Gossman. Yeah, that's. I think that's kind of my fear, but I mean, I still maintain hope at least that he maintains kind of high end AL only uh, value and maybe occasional mixed league streaming and stuff like that. Uh, Detroit. Brad Osman says sticking with Joe Nathan as his closer. Now I didn't. Need. Today, yeah, <laughs> didn't need slash use him, or I mean, I guess you don't need a guy like you know, when the game goes nineteen innings. Uh, but well, he, I mean, Joba blew it in the ninth. Yeah, uh, Joe Chamberlain blows it today for the for the for the Tigers. But uh, I mean, Nathan Nathan had pitched on two of uh, both of the, each of the last two days at least. Uh, had uh, he had he had uh, loaded the bases on Friday night before coming up with a save and protecting a one-run lead. And then on Saturday, he needed 28 pitches to record one out and gave up two hits, two walks, and uh, a run to basically end up blowing the save. And actually, so Soria, Joaquin Soria is who ended up relieving him. Now, clearly, he seems like the most logical choice to replace him. problem is, is that with a strained oblique that he left that game with, he is now on the disabled list. Um, yep. We And we've talked about this situation. I mean, is this by attrition? Is Joe Nathan going to be the closer for the rest of the season in Detroit? No, I don't think. Still so. don't think so. Still don't think so. I still think he has a tenuous hold on his job. Yeah, and no question, based on performance, that that's it. I think. I, I certainly think I, I think it's going to depend on the health of Soria because I don't think that there's a lot of incentive to go to Chamberlain. I, I, that's the only. Th- I mean. Based on, I mean, I've seen that speculated that maybe maybe Chamberlain is the guy to pick up and not Soria, and that's only because of the DL situation. I would assume I would still like mm-hmm. I'm whole. I had I drafted Soria or yeah, I drafted Soria in, in uh, both of my leagues that I'm still allowed to play in this year. I like saying that, uh, and I've I've held him because I mean you can't think of a better situation in which you still want to hold the guy even though it may not come around anytime soon. The DL stand is a bit of a blow to the the plans there. That's what really concerns me because it's a strain oblique. I mean, this is I don't I don't know that it's a serious one, but it, it's not necessarily a minimum stay thing. And by the time we get into September, it may not there may not be enough time for it to really matter. That's right. that's the thing that really concerns me. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem wise. Detroit, I mean, Detroit must have the worst bullpen plan in the major leagues. Uh, but they do have Jim Johnson to save the day. Um, and that's actually who Jason picked up. He's backing on for saves in Detroit is Jim Johnson. He may be the only guy that could pitch in Detroit. <laughs> that is true. That is true. They might need him for a spot start this week. Who knows? Um, the Halos acquire Vinny Pestano somehow. Uh, and for some reason, I think they have, and they've also actually called him up. That'll be interesting to see how that works out. It's just not been the same guy since some health issues that emerged last year. And he has like a five ERA in the majors this year. 
uh, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. And at least he can't he can't be a lot worse than Ernesto Frieri, whom Pittsburgh DFA'd. Um, that's called fantastic return for Jason Gurley. I think, I mean, did we really not see it? I mean, I, I think it could have worked out a little better than this, but I mean, I, I think if you had to choose between a guy who just has pr- uh, persistent command issues versus a guy who only has really problems with health and Gurley, it seemed likely that it was going to be that the halos were going to end up on the better end of that deal eventually. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's fi- honestly, I think he's fixable. Freire, you mean? Yeah, I think Freire, <laughs> I think he's fixable. I think a team, you, you look at the numbers heading into this year. He's fixable if he goes to the raise and that's what you're lobbying. Somewhere. For. Honestly. So I think he's, I think he is, I don't think we've seen the last of him. Yeah, we certainly haven't seen the last of them. The guy's fastballs are nasty, and it's not certainly it's not like he's lost any velocity or anything. Really, he's I mean he remains. I think he throws a, kind of a, a crazy two seamer that he is, that he just fails to command at any particular time. Uh, I mean, of course, maybe maybe this is Pittsburgh's way of apologizing to Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know. Uh, it's um, it's there's certainly a lot of talent to work with there. Um, it just it, I think it's also a little strange that they just DFA'd him. I'm not sure what they needed uh, to uh, bring that about. I would think somebody would claim him. Uh, if he if if the Rays were a team that claimed him, say, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they did to fix him. Maybe he got he ends up being a kind of a dark horse for saves there next year. Mm-hmm. Andrew McCutcheon bruised, cracked rib, whatever it is, apparently, and they they were hoping to avoid disabled list. He hasn't made "quote unquote" remarkable progress. That's certainly encouraging. And Eno talked about the fact that basically it's a pain tolerance thing for him. So, uh, sounds like, it, are you are you feeling the same optimism that he avoids a disabled list now? And this is a, this is a guy who's still going to be a decent contributor rest of the season for fantasy owners. Yeah, I think he may avoid the disabled list at this point. I mean, if they would, it's been a week mm-hmm. now. I mean, this happened on Sunday, so it's been a full week. And we're still we still don't have them disabled as no team likes to play this shorthanded for this long. So I'm more optimistic that he's going going to avoid it. And my NFBC league, I mean, I'm not going to win it, but I'm still trying to finish second in that league. Uh, I have to put him on the bench. I don't want to. <laughs> I want to leave him. Uh, I have him on the bench, but at least in that league, you can do you can replace guys on on hitters on Friday. So uh, I'm going to put him on the bench and then uh, uh, make a move from there. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good idea. I think, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I thought his season was pretty close to done a week ago. And now I'm like, wow, like lucky us or at least lucky everyone else. Cause I don't know him. I was never in a position to draft him, unfortunately, but, uh, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I, I can't help but think that this is going to affect his performance a little bit in terms of, I mean, this, you're talking about the rotation of his trunk that that might affect his power. So I'd be, um, a little concerned about that, but mm-hmm. 80% of Andrew McCutcheon is better than a lot of guys. Yes. Uh, and that's, by the way, 80%. I made that number up. Nobody else has said that. Not to say that I'm taking claim for that or taking credit for that. I'm just saying that it might not be 80%. It could be 90%. It could be 70% or less. Who knows? But uh, at least it's it's pretty encouraging um, that he's made this much progress already. Adam Lind, back issues. Like I said, he's back perhaps as soon as Monday. It's not a certainty with him, but Edward Encarnacion also string quadricep is expected back this week. Um, Lynn, basically, they've said is likely. I think it's going to happen. We talked about the playing time situation there, but uh, uh, both of these players had setbacks at one time or another in their rehab assignments. Are you concerned? I mean, 
I would think Lind is the guy you still have more concern about because it's a back issue. It's not the first time that he's had them. Yeah, definitely not the first time that he's had. He's had the, the back issues for quite some time. So I'm a little leery of that, the, the Encarnacion situation there with his teammate. We said when he got hurt, if he made it back before August 1st, he wasn't human. Here we are August 10th and he's still not back. Looks like he will be back sometime this week. And, I mean, of all the guys we're talking about, we're looking at here about coming back, Joe Mauer's back this week, Henderson Alvarez, Michael Pineda, the velocity looks good with him. Uh, that's surprising. Of all him, I think Pineda might be the one guy that I, I would, uh, pitching-wise, I mean, the other guys, those bats, we're going to put back in our lineup. But Michael Pineda, he's hitting 94 down at his rehab. That's that's a really good sign. That is, and that, I wasn't aware of that. I think that that's uh, um, really intriguing. That was, that's basically the one guy left on the list I want to kind of talk about because I don't really care to talk about Matt Lindstrom. It sounds like actually Jake Petrica might get uh, the majority of opportunities. Maybe Zach Putnam fills in. I don't blame the White Sox for going that way because Lindstrom sucks. We've talked about how much Lindstrom sucks, even though he, but he's a possibility here. It's just it's not a great situation for saves with the White Sox to begin with, but. Pineda, I mean, he's definitely he's a mixed league pickup. At least at least fifteen team um, certainly has the ability to contribute in twelve team mixed leagues. I was I was personally until about a, in the past several days, I would say I was really kind of he just makes me nervous as far as the health is concerned. But and, and the way he kept having these delayed rehabs and things like that, that I, I was like, all right, this guy is just he's probably going to end up getting shut down or whatever. I mean, he's if he does come back, it's a and. and uh, it's a situation where, I mean, the, the Yankees are bringing him back, and it's somewhat out of desperation. They're running out of bodies. But Pineda is supposed to be legitimately healthy. All the reports are really positive in terms of his health. And like you said, I mean, I hadn't seen that report. He's hitting 94. I think this is a guy who, another guy who can make a difference. I mean, I'm, you know, what is it, 50-50 maybe, that he finishes the season on the active roster uh, right. because of health. But if he's in there... And the numbers were pretty pretty solid before he was hurt. Um, I mean, this this is a guy who was dropped and left for dead in a lot of leagues. And maybe, yeah, I mean, if he's out there, yeah, this is a guy you should be thinking about taking a shot on. Uh, real quick, I want to ask you this. I was asked this on the show earlier, and now it's, I mean, basically now that Encarnacion is back, we know that health is still concerned. Who hits more home runs the rest of the season, him or Jose Bautista? Uh, Encarnacion. Yeah, I, I, that seems like a pretty easy bet. I think now. I mean, if you'd asked maybe several days several days ago, and you were still concerned about Encarnacion's health, would you have been tempted to say Bautista? Uh, no, because okay. I'm still one of his biggest fans. Yeah, I, I like Encarnacion, and I think just based on the upside and the likelihood that he was still returning sometime this week, I think I'd have gone in that in that direction. Because at this point, his power is much more dependable, uh, even than Bautista's. Uh, real quick, just and Alan Craig, uh, they say that the actually Alan Craig may be back as soon as his um, he's eligible, which is on August seventeenth, uh, back from the disabled list. But they're saying that the foot injury he has is not related to last year's list frank fracture, which they also have said um, there's still evidence of it. You can still see uh, evidence of that injury in his MRIs, uh, which doesn't seem real encouraging to me, but. Um, here's my question to you, and you already said you are. I, I know you're wreck at this point, but like, even if so, now it sounds like Craig might be back. Is this a guy that I mean, I'm? I've been hanging on to him all season, but I think like I'm just um, if I can find something, find anything that's uh, better than warm, better than warm body, I think I'm going to take it. Are you? Do you think that there's any reason to hang on to some hope here? I mean, it, it is in Boston. It's a better, better ballpark for offense and things like that. 
Until he shows the ability to hit inside pitching again, no. Uh, and, and it's been a problem for almost a full calendar year now. It, it just can't. And it's, it's I think that's healthy. It's got to be healthy. Yeah. Well, it's got to yeah, be Yeah, it has to be because, again, I think we talked about this uh, when the trade was made. You know, hitting, well, you've got to pick up that front foot, put it down, and be able to turn and burn with it. If that foot is a problem, everything else up the up the – up the the uh, whole mechanical process fails. Just go look at Albert Pujols last year. Look, look at him this year compared to last year. It's a completely different guy. Yeah. Same problem. Yeah. Uh, the foot was an issue, and I think you know Alan Craig. It, it's been it hasn't been pleasant to watch. He's been like a, a like a six ninety OPS guy over the last calendar year. Yeah, it's, that's not where that's that's not the name doesn't match the production. Yeah. And those are the types of players that I try to run from. Yeah, and agreed. And, and because he's basically he's 30 years old, the question is, by the time he's healthy again, is and he's he's going to be on the downside, you know, how good is the production? I mean, he's not a power hitter at, at this point anymore. The 20, close to 20 home runs, I mean, that was kind of an anomalous season, it seems to be at this point. And by the time he's healthy, um, it, it's really hard to imagine him being that type of player ever again. Um, so. You know, one other, I'm sorry, one other thing I wanted, I didn't see on the breakdown that I wanted to make sure we mentioned is Henry Mejia with the Mets. He's had a calf injury, uh, gave up, you know, he pitched uh, pitched today, gave up runs for the third time in five games, blew a save uh, against your Phillies today. I, I saw some tweets later on that said he was talking possible sports hernia with Ooh, him that's kind of yeah strange. so that was I, I saw some notes on twitter i forgot exactly i think it was from mark carrig uh who was talking about uh see if i could find the notes but he was talking about some issues with mejia so maybe uh familiar maybe something to keep here it is let's see uh terry Council mejia if he tells me it bothers him then we need to make adjustments something to keep in mind with hernia is there's a chance of them progressively getting worse and a very real threat of limiting mobility. Perhaps Mejia can keep throwing through through it for now, as he's decided to, but as the season unfolds, things could quickly change. Uh, Mejia was seen by doctors yesterday for the hernia. Terry Collins has known about the issue as well, and uh, we've seen guys pitch through hernias before, is what the notes of saying. Um, and he's also, Mejia has also been uh, hit in an arm by line drive this year and has missed some time with bunions. He's got soreness in his leg. Thigh and back. Oh, gee, health. So after the season, he's going to need. He, after the season, he's going to need surgery. Gee, health issues for Henri Mejia. I've never heard of those before. I mean, that's probably that's ultimately why the Mets decided they give up on the idea of him as a starting pitcher wisely. So, but uh, just putting that out there. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Uh, make your familiar claims. Uh, you know, it could be it could be Vic Black too, but just just putting that out there if for anybody who owns Mejia. Yeah, certainly. That's uh, some. Some great observation, and glad you threw that in there for sure. Uh, but also, real quick, uh, since I mean, I'm hoping that you have a little closer perspective on Will Myers coming back from the fractured wrist. Are you concerned about uh, any uh, latent or any kind of delay in terms of uh, the return of power? Not that he hit for a lot of it to begin with before he hit the disabled list, but uh, just it's been a miserable year for him all around. Uh, and he's really not, has not expected back. I would th- I would think he's going to get a couple of weeks on a rehab assignment. So. I'm not looking for him until for uh, late August, but uh, even so, I mean, rest of season. Do you think that there's you know some some legitimate fantasy salvaging here? Actually, I don't think it'll be that long. I think he'll be in Durham for a week. I mean, typically, if they're going to slow play a guy, they would have sent him to Clearwater first okay. and let him play there, and then move his way up. But they're putting him right to AAA. I would expect him to be back in the Rays lineup by this weekend. 
Uh, coming off the wrist injury, you have to have some concern with power, but not like he was hitting for power before he won the disabled list. <laughs> uh, the main issue was where, you know, playing time, because Kevin Kiermeyer has played well in his absence, and now with Myers back in play, then they're going to have to look at some stuff. Possibly, I would. My expectation is this really uh, marginalizes Logan Forsythe in the lineup, puts Zobers back on the infield full time, and they're going to find a way to get, you know, mix things out. You know, Matt, for me, Matt Joyce could be sitting. Matt Joyce isn't home in a month. He's been stuck on seven home runs for since early July. He's not driving guys in. He's not really getting on base. If he does, it's a single. He's not. He just isn't doing much. To me, it's going to be Matt Joyce losing his playing time, and I could see an outfield of Jennings, Kiermaier, and Myers. And defensively, that would be pretty strong because they can cover some ground. I mean, Myers does have his lapses, and uh, but I can see that being the full-time outfield. Yeah, I think that actually makes a lot of sense since you brought that up because, uh, I mean, Joyce is 30 years old. I don't know what his contract situation is, but I can't imagine that it's uh, any, it's soon becoming team-friendly. I mean, at this point, we know what Joyce is. He's a guy who's probably not ever going to hit 50 or 20 home runs. He's gotten close, but uh, and he's certainly a platoon player. And, is, I mean, he's I guess he's an adequate fielder, but at this point, again, he's not part of the future. Kiermaier and uh, even and Brandon Geyer, they both acquitted themselves kind of well um, that they, you know, at least that those two could deserve a little more playing time, and they're younger. Uh, Geyer only by a couple of years, but <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's kind of an interesting player. But, yeah, Kiermaier, Jennings, and, and Myers in the outfield, and they kind of platoon at the DH spot or they platoon in one of those outfield spots. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, so who do you think uh, there is – I mean, um, Kiermaier is a, is, a, is a hold then, I'm assuming. And do you foresee uh, you know any of these other guys – between Joyce and Geyer, um, any, do, you th- do you see, I guess, uh, some kind of fantasy value here that's uh, where it's one or the other and uh, which one do you rather own the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, Joyce is still for AL only players, basically. Right. I still want to take Joyce. Guy just doesn't hit righties, and, he, and he's going to get those two are going to get marginalized into the platoon situations. And Joyce is still going to find some uh, more playing time there. But uh, yeah, as soon as Myers comes back, I think Joyce and Guy go to the bench. Okay. Henry uh, Ramirez, Meyer oblique strain sounds like he could be back with first eligible. I will believe that when I see it. As far as Hanley is ever concerned, but uh, you don't want any of the seventeen. 17- Melly options that the Dodgers have at shortstop we already talked about. Yes. Uh, Josh Beckett, we, I, like I said, I think he's done rest of the season. Jacob DeGrom, this is what concerns me, may miss his start on Tuesday. He was a just uh, – May will miss his start. Okay, now it's a definite. Um, uh, and keep that in mind, folks. I mean, for those that matters to, he was a two-turn guy this week. So it's a possibility that he's out for more, and maybe he ends up on the disabled list. I'm not sure yet who's going to get the spot started. Rafael Montero has been pitching – kind of crazily here uh, in the minor leagues and maybe he gets it he'd be an interesting guy i think he's he plays mixed leagues i think uh, or at least deep mixed leagues he'd be an interesting guy for the strikeouts uh does he interest you there i would assume he does me he does uh yeah he would inter- interest me some yeah uh in a ball sanchez strain pectoral out three to four weeks so robbie ray fills in this is this is not mixed league material to me uh but he has shown some interesting stuff i mean he's kind of a back-end guy maybe th- maybe four or five type pitcher is what he profiles as long term maybe a three i'm not sure but uh uh is this a guy that you're chasing in an al only league with the you know say he's i mean he's looks yeah. like he's got a spot in for the next three to four weeks 
I, exactly, and that's exactly the point. He's got a spot uh, in the rotation for a few weeks because of how uh, with Anibal Sanchez out. So yeah, with, with what do we have? Seven scoring periods left. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed, and I don't know the entirety of the Yankees catching situation. Brian McCann on the concussion David Sable list. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss very much time, and maybe that's why they caught a Boston Romine. Um, so, uh, but hopefully that's not too serious. Still think that McCann. Has, a, has an okay chance to finish the season strong. It has it has been disappointing, but he's shown some signs of life here in the last month or so. Uh, Brandon Belt with a concussion back on the disabled list. I think when you go back on the disabled list for a concussion that you haven't gotten rid of yet, that's not a good sign. Um, Adam Duvall is up. Interest you, um, NL only league, your 10 team, say NL only league. Is this a guy, if he's unav- is available? I mean, he's kind of power, low average type i mean it, it still uh i mean he's no, not, not the most uh, not interested okay yeah <laughs> uh i mean he's he's 25 he'll be almost 26 he does have some power legitimately but um as kind of a right-handed right-handed hitter i guess i'm a little worried about the swing and miss in his game uh, and i think eventually they probably end up getting in a situation where they don't end up playing them much. I think the original speculation was that he was going to play semi-regularly. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Neil Walker, back issues. Pedro Alvarez back in the lineup. I mean, I think that that's what happens because Josh Harrison, say, moves to second base. Does this excite you? No, not at all. <laughs> still, uh, still, I, I'm worried about the fans sitting behind the plate. <laughs> or how about worried about the fans sitting behind first base for Pedro Alvarez? That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> that's what I meant. I mean, Sorry. I think ultimately... Plate, uh, I, will, will the Pirates play him at third base, I guess? I mean, I haven't seen any speculation as to how they're going to deal with this absence yet, but I think that that's the way they got to go. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's funny when you, when a guy, like, loses playing time like this. Every once in a while, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call, and he comes back in and gets his stuff together and, and hits a little bit. That's the only thing. I mean, we know that he has 30, 30 home run power. And it's, I mean, it's never, it's, it's important never to lose sight, sight of guys like that. I wouldn't be overlap, overly optimistic because it's not like he's had a lot of time to turn things around. I mean, in the past week, he's lost his no, he's job. Still gonna, he's still going to have problems throwing. I mean, you've got to keep Josh Harris in the lineup. The guy's just been a monster mm-hmm. uh, for them getting on. And uh, Garrett, where's Garrett Jones? He's at Miami these days now, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm thrown off because I was at the game between those two teams on Tuesday night, <laughs> and Garrett Jones was at the bar with his family after the game. When I the bar I ended up going could have been to, during the game, right? Hopping. No, no, this was definitely after. This was after midnight. I just kind of felt bad because he's with his family, with including kids. But you know, when you're on the road and your family lives one place and and you play another, it just was like rough life uh, that they've got to go through. But yeah, he was at there at the bar later. That's why I was confused. I'm like, wait a second, where is he at? Um, but no, Pedro looks awful, uh, and I think the issues in the field definitely have to be hurt. Help uh, can't be helping at the plate. Yeah, one of them is is probably affecting the other somewhat too. Confidence is probably way down for Pedro Alvarez. Adam Eaton strained oblique to the disabled list. That means oh, it sucks, man. He has been so awesome the last month. <laughs> that means Jason can run out and get Jordan Danks. He's been dying to do that. Well, I mean, he lives here in Charlotte. I mean, Jordan Danks, I think, has played for the Charlotte Knights for eight years now. So this is. Uh, and my brother and I, the last game we were at, uh, the Charlotte game, we were joking about it. We're like, dang, he's like, I swear that guy's been playing here for eight years. <laughs> uh, but Adam Eaton was leading all batters and weighted on base average over the past month. He has been absolutely on fire. And for him to go down like this sucks. Yep. And I didn't know him, so I think it's great. 
Uh, Carlos Gonzalez. I didn't know what I mean either, but I just you look at it, you're like, wow. If, if I probably could have given you 20 guesses on who was leading the league and waited on base average in the last month, and none of us would have said Adam Eaton. Uh, in 20, I might have because I know he's been ridiculously hot. But uh, in 10, I probably would not have guessed him that early. So there. <laughs> Carlos Gonzalez, <laughs> knee tendonitis, back to the disabled list. Rockies say they're not yet shutting him down for the rest of the season. Usually when they say, we're not yet going to do this, they're going to. It seems likely that that's where it's going to end up. Here's my question to you. Uh, in, in how shallow of a league are you not considering dropping him? I mean, to me, I'm, I'm ten, I mean, he's been awful. Other than like he was three for five with a homer or something on Thursday. He's just been like bad when he's been, when he's been active, like since the All-Star break too. Like he's been bad, like three for 51, a bunch of strikeouts or something. Like he just is clearly, uh, I mean, it's like shut him down and see what happens next year, right? Like I, I, I'd be willing to recommend a drop in, in definitely in 10-team, 12-team mixed leagues. Uh, what about, say, what say you in 15-team mixed leagues? Are you ready to drop him? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, I have him in a 12-team mixed league and I have a bench. So I'm like, that's the only reason why he's still on my team. But he was my first round draft pick. Yeah. First I, I, round draft pick, and I'm trying to remember I think who I took him. There was somebody out there that I took him over, and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, people are like, "Wow, why?" And I just fitting the need of the keepers. Yeah, we had three keepers in this league, and I was like, "This could be a monster." And what a suckier! Yeah, that's just and and so I mean, I kind of wanted to use Cargo as a segue to Troy Tulowitzki because Troy, did I say his name right? Troy Tulowitzki. Better. Uh, okay. Possible labrum issue in the hip. That's never a good sign. That's kind of the, that's the kind of old man disease that Josh Beckett's dealing with. Uh, because I think they're concerned about a partial tear there or worse. I mean, he went out with a, it's a, oh, a hip flexor strain, um, and now they're concerned about something a little more serious. Being, the, the team is consulting doctors on this. It's not a definite by any means, but uh, they're concerned as to why he has not made any uh, any uh, any progress in his recovery. So, uh, Tulowitzki. I think a different story in terms of drops. Is there a, is there a league that you are dropping him in? No. Okay. I mean, considering what he's done and what he does when healthy, yeah, I mean, as long as – I can't argue with that. Um, I am concerned. I mean, we, we may get news here sometime in the next few days that may change our minds, but I think until that happens, probably not. Tyler Skaggs, uh, originally strained flexor tendon, now is going under the knife. See in 2016, Hector Santiago rest of the season. You talked about him. You're not a big fan. I'm kind of a fan, to be be honest, but he's like at minimum streamer guy in 15-team mixed leagues. Here's the thing with, with Tyler Skaggs. End of July 31st, his comment directly to the writers, doctor says my UCL is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, when did the word fine become torn? Like Ten days ago, he's great, and now he's done. And he's done for next year, too. Yeah. Where the hell does this stuff come? It drives me insane when this happens. Yeah, that's um, – considering how often that they're making diagnoses like these these days, it seems strange that they get it wrong or that – I don't know. That, I guess uh, it becomes a question – I mean, he's – you know, he's – he really shot the velocity up over the winter and, you know, was throwing around not averaging 92 with the fastball this year and previous two major league stints was 89, 89. Um, so maybe I, I forget there was somebody on Fangrass wrote an article about it relating, you know, velo- higher velocity, throwing, throwing really hard and Tommy John surgery. Are they equated? I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, It's hard to say, but it's interesting that this came about after he made some changes that got him back up to this this type of velocity. Oh, yeah, they they altered his delivery. Uh, They altered his delivery, got him back to long striding instead of short striding um, that Arizona had tinkered with. So third delivery in two years, maybe that causes a problem for a guy. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know, but it's just unfortunate for a guy because he was looking better this year. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's fine. And now he's gone for another season and a quarter. Brett Anderson, bulging disc in back. I said that correctly. Likely there you out, go. <laughs> likely out rest of season. Um, that's no surprise because Brett Anderson is always likely out rest of season. But uh, Colorado may Don't pick. Don't worry. Colorado wants to extend him and give him a $12 million deal next year. Yeah, that's. Uh, they may be interested in picking up in a really expensive option. He's yes. pitched well for the most part for them. I guess it's like, can you blame him? Or, or I mean,. Or is it like, I mean, do you say like, hey, let's, you know, maybe we don't have to tender him, but like bring him back on a more team-friendly deal? It just seems like for a guy that never pitches, why would you pay him $12 million? <laughs> because you're Colorado and your your front office is completely disjointed. Okay. Now it makes sense to me. Uh, and with that note, uh, that, that means it's time to pick some two-turn pitchers for the week before we get out of here because I really can't think – I mean, I think when you see Colorado and you're like, like relative to the background – Anderson is worth twelve million dollars relative to in terms of his health. Anderson is worth about twelve dollars. So, I think you you at least want to split the difference and say, hey, let's like not give him some guaranteed money. I mean, at least it'd be nice if they were in a position where they had kind of a John Lackey type deal, where John Lackey had this, you know, because he missed an entire season. Now he gets uh, he has to pitch on a five hundred thousand dollar contract next year. Mm-hmm. Oh well, uh, two turn pitchers for the week. Anybody? I to me see I like I, I saw right away uh, I don't want to pitch Jeff Locke because he's at home against Detroit and then at Washington and Detroit is, is just good and Washington is really is really good against left-handed pitchers so that's one I see him ranked at the top of a couple of lists for two-star guys this week and I was I, I I'm skeptical I want to remind everyone that I really suck at this picking these guys so Jason I was I, good last yes, week Jason is pretty good at this. I got Hamill, two yes. starts, one earned run over two starts. Whip wasn't that pretty, but, you know, did his job, didn't lose. Lowered his ERA from 953 to 590 last week in the American <laughs> League, so yay. Uh, let's see, looking at the American League, two-star pitches that jump out to me are... Um, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, rough choices this week. You know, Joe Kelly against the Reds and against the Astros? You're killing me. That's the one I had highlighted. I was looking forward (laughs) finally to saying, oh, I might get one right here. I do like Kelly. I like him. At Cincinnati, first of all, facing a National League team that he's going to be familiar with, or that's familiar with him. It's hard to say, but he throws hard. Uh, We talked about him. Eno really likes him as a pitcher long-term. It'll be interesting to see what Boston does with him in the long term. Uh, And here, I'll I'll let you have that one. I'm going to take Chris Capuano. Against the Orioles, against the uh, the Rays, you know, knowing how was, badly the Rays suck against lefties. That was going to be my original one. I swear, that was like, I, and then I did, I was like, you know what? I don't really have the guts to do it. I'm wearing off on you. I, I'm yeah. actually trying to pick up Capuano in what league? I have a, I have a labor bid on Capuano. Nice. He, I did that. I, I have a labor bid, or I may even have a Tout Wars bid. That's mixed labor for you, right? No. Yeah, it is. I have a bit on Capuano somewhere in one of the leagues that I'm in. This is when you know you play in too many leagues. I have a Capuano bit out there. <laughs> yes, you know you play in too many leagues when you have a bit on Capuano, period. Uh, I, I agree. And I, I mean, Colin McHugh, obviously that's that looks like a pretty good start against Minnesota and Boston. 
Drew Hutchison has been really hard to figure out. Uh, Seattle is rolling. I, I'm not sure, quite sure this is going to be a great week, but Hutchison is just an opportunity to point out. He, he has two starts on the road, and, and the, the White Sox are not a great team overall. They're, they're capable of putting it up at any time. But uh, two starts on the road, and he has been fantastic, much more so on the road than he has been at home. So I, this, this could be a, a kind of a banner week, but he's also coming off a ridiculously good start. Um, and who knows? He just doesn't seem to put him together uh, consistently. He seems to pitch a lot better when he gets an extra day of rest. I've noticed, noticed that as well. Uh, anybody in the National League? I like Shelby Miller there, uh, other than the fact that San Diego is like the best scoring team in the na- in the majors since the All-Star. Yeah, go figure that one out. <laughs> Shelby Miller has been great since they put him back in the rotation, though. And that uh, even I, I'd be willing to ride Shelby Miller, even though they're at Miami, who's been a little better offensively at home, and they're facing the juggernaut Padres. Um. I'm going to go Jake Arrieta, which is really not sticking too far out in the limb. But he was but, rocked in his last start. It's kind yeah, of an opportunity he, for him human. to get back on the horse. Yeah, Right. He's human. Um, that one that one jumps out at me. Uh, the Jesse Hahn at home versus, versus the Rockies on the road against the Cardinals. I oh, like that one. That is a nice one. That is a very nice one. The other one, like kind of the deeper one I like. I kind of like Jared Kosar this week, twice at home against St. Louis and against Arizona. Um big ballpark and all that jazzy stuff uh, against two offenses that are not very good. Um, he's kind of low on lists for two turn guys. I actually think he could have a pretty decent week, put up, you know, maybe, maybe a shot at a win or two. So uh, he is going against Adam Wainwright in one of them, but uh, Wainwright, I don't know. There's, there's been some interesting signs for him lately uh, and he's been kind of hit or miss, but uh, anyway, uh, it's going to be an interesting two-start week, guaranteed. All my guys will suck, and Jason's will turn out to be Cy Young contenders. <laughs> Thank you all very much for joining us. This has been episode number one twenty, or I'm sorry, one fifty-two of the Sleeper Under the Bus. Jason, thank you once again for shedding some uh, some light on some things and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you all again next Sunday with this with this crew. And uh, until then, I am Nicholas Minix for the Sleeper and the Bust. Boom, <laughs>